Welcome to the Roundtable. I am Jennifer Eller, and with me today is my co-host, Mike Hill. And I never do a shout-out for Nick, but Nick Wilson's our producer behind the camera, so I want to give him some credit. But <laughs> today we're here to talk to Russ and Amy Daggett. Yay! Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have been, how long have you been at the church? Because you've been here, like... 10 years? Oh, Actually, longer. longer. Uh, okay, we, no. we gauge it based off Logan's age. We came okay. right after he was born, so it's mm. going on 13 years now. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because we just came 13. Actually, yesterday was our first yep. okay. Sunday. So, yeah, you were close to our family, too. Yeah. So, you've been, so you've been in the, the, the lean years, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the trying to figure it out years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. We were upstairs. Mm -hmm. Upstairs. Well, and our first introduction actually came when Amy started with a small group from okay. the mutual friends that we had. And we didn't start attending right away then. Um, we had a great kind of home church that she was born and raised in, but that was the introduction. So when we started searching, Amy was like, well, why not? Why not check out life? So it was meant to be. Who was in your small group? Janelle Smelser. Yeah. It was a mom's group. So all of us that had little ones at the time. So yeah, I, can't remember many of the other ones. It's been so long. Um, Christy Laird. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. She and I have been lifelong yeah. friends. And a couple of others. I don't okay. I don't know if they hmm. attend here anymore. I don't think so. But those were the two that. Yeah, because I know in those early days, there wasn't a whole lot of that. Because yeah. I had joined one. Jen Gerber had asked me to join one. Like Loretta Smith had led it and stuff. And so I was just curious because I was mm -hmm. like, wow, that just wasn't quite. Yeah, so we just brought our kiddos. And... Awesome. Yeah. What was your first impression of Life Church? It was very different than what I had experienced as a kid. Um, so growing up, I went to a Pentecostal church. <laughs> what are you kidding? Yeah. Well, and that's where we were going. Yeah, right before we came here. Yeah. So now there are two two churches. There's a Cleveland, and then there's um, a different church. We were okay. we were in Cleveland, based out of Cleveland, Church so, of God. Church of God. Okay. And so. Maybe not what you're thinking first. No, I'm just saying, I'm getting this picture of Amy like running up and down the aisle. Okay. Oh, yes. yes. Very spirit. That's what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. That's what I'm like. I'm getting this yep. picture of you I running around, got flags. Yes. Yeah. We didn't flag. We didn't okay. do flags. I mean, but, some yeah, of, yeah, some some of the churches do. have the flags. Um. So, yeah. So when we came here, it was like mild. Music was, yes. Like we were. Very mild. Like we weren't. No. Oh. We were. And Dang it. It, it was a disappointment. It was a disappointment. Music was the same, though. We had very yeah. loud, lively music. So that was very similar. Um, but it was very toned down, wow. which is starkly different from what you had grown up oh, with. Oh, for sure. His was on the other extreme. Yeah. So th this was the sweet spot middle ground for mm. me. Like okay. my first impression or what drew me was just the authenticity. Okay. I mean, I've heard that even since we've mm -hmm. been here, just the the authenticity, the relational aspect. But I was born and raised um, Church of the Brethren, which, you know, hymnals, mm -hmm. stand up, sit down, those types of things. Uh, very regimented. Uh, had a great church family. My grandparents helped start the church. So it was, you know, very uh, foundational for me. But I went from, yeah, Church of the Brethren to then when we got married, um, started going to church where she did, where she was born and raised Pentecostal. And then a series of circumstances ended up here. 
Um, so for me, this was like, wow, this is, this is it. This is, you know, the, that happy medium in terms of, I guess, what you would call the extremes of um, just what you would think about a church environment being. So because yeah, ours, ours were very extreme. Yeah. Do you ever have a time in your life where your whole paradigm of somebody just gets completely blown up? <laughs> Yeah. You're gonna look at us all mine all right now. Amy is completely shattered. I mean, I would have never ever thought that you would have grown up in a mm -hmm. nothing against I don't mean it that awesome. way. I'm just like that would have not because she doesn't do that now. No, so I don't know why. I don't know why. She seems like a very well, like and I nice. I'm thinking, you know oh, and the 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 Prayer warriors of yeah. my life were women that. I love it. I just prophesied again, yeah. and shouted and laid hands on. And like, that's just so what if I during know. a message. Can I just be like, Amy, <laughs> can you give me something back there? Sure. <laughs> and I would say <laughs> second services creep a little bit towards. Oh, second services. That yeah. 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 First service and second service are different churches. So I know like some people like think second service, you know, is a little uncomfortable for them. But for us, it's like, wow, this is like still you know, toned down. We're, yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we're still, we feel super. Oh, I can't wait till I, I can't well, wait to see you. And what's funny is growing up, like we didn't start going to that church until I was in middle school. So my parents didn't attend for a lot of years, um, we had neighbors that actually took my sisters and me to mm. church and it was a brethren church. So very much similar to what Russ grew up with. But, um, but once my parents did know the Lord, they were invited by friends yeah. who attended this, this church. And it was kind of a battle at that point because I didn't want anything to do with a new, right. new family. So I was, I'm sure a brat in that whole thing. <laughs> I probably should apologize to my parents for that, but, um, so I didn't really, really understand a lot of that until I was in high school. Yeah. And, you know, you're just, you're scared. I mean, it was like, what in the world is going on? And then you understand that what the spirit of the Lord is yeah. and how, you know, that can be so many things. And it just became normal. Okay. I mean, it now, was just. I got somebody can be looking at it. Yeah. So it doesn't. I mean, Amy, when, give me a little help out yeah, there. I mean, like, people <laughs> raise their hands and, and yeah. like when I say shout, like. That's what I it's mean. It's more than just a little, little whoop, you know, it's, no. it's a lot. And so that's just how it was normal for me to worship and, and do that. And no, I love it. people do that. And I love the diversity. I love yeah. people that don't do it. I love the people. That, yeah, you know, and I just love yeah, it. Yeah. And it was it. never expected. Yeah. You know, it just, right. if the mm -hmm. spirit moved you to do that, it was welcome. That's and what free. You, were doing. you were free to do it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things we've appreciated about life church is not getting hung up on the the legalism, the technicalities. I mean, right. there, there are different ways to worship and people are comfortable on different continuums of that. But at the end of the day, you know, serving God, loving Jesus, those yeah. foundational things, like that's where it's at. And so for us, kind of going back and forth on kind of those extremes of like a church environment, for us, it's like, yeah, stay true to where you're at, you know, in those foundational areas and the rest of it is important, but only to a certain degree. Yeah. And I think that's the, one of the cool things about life is, is that if you have diversity to me, it shows mission because mm -hmm. a lot of times people mm -hmm. do get hung up on like, I want to be comfortable. I want to be where it's like, I like, or, but when you're there and one person's 
shouting and one person is uncomfortable because they're shouting or back and forth to me that's like then the reason you're here is because you're on mission because you will just continue to figure it out worship in your own way and then figure out what god wants to do from there so i don't know i again i'm blown away that's all it's gonna be (laughs) well i did have to when he first started coming to church with me it was i was nervous because i had been to his and it was just you knew what to do and here's my yeah my follow speech. the script yeah follow the script and i thought oh mm-hmm. it's not <laughs> at all so i remember like on in the in the car I'm like okay and he knew a lot of the people yeah. maybe that that went but maybe hadn't seen them in action <laughs> <laughs> that's funny so i would go through and i'd be like okay if you see this this is what's going on and this this might happen and so i was giving him like a cheat sheet yeah of, right. like, what he right. might see and but then it became and that's okay and that was huge okay. because i had connected to the people um this church was in wabash and so that's where amy was born and raised and so i had gotten to know them and i I probably had some preloaded kind of preconceived notions yeah. about like, I don't know about all this, but I'd gotten to know these people and knew the genuine, you know, great people, great servants, you know, heart for Jesus. And so when I saw some of, you know, the, them the pen, yeah, some of the Pentecostal, yeah, the them in action, kind of the Pentecostal element yeah. to the church service, I was like, you know, there's no way this is not um of jesus yeah. and of god mm-hmm. because i knew their hearts and i knew who they were yeah yeah spirit moving yeah sorry jennifer i got you off track i just again <laughs> continued no no no, no i was just like <laughs> i don't have very many moments in life where my life my whole brain is just like <laughs> mind's blown and it is now so i just had to get it in sorry okay so yeah so we just came off of christmas so do you have any favorite Christmas movies or have you been watched been watched any shows since you've been home? Yeah, so for sure, like Christmas movies, number one is National Lampoon. Yes, yeah, it is. And, and I know there's some elements to it that probably are a little sensitive, but it just uh there's so many parts to it that are just flat out hilarious. Yeah. Well Logan kind of drives our movie watching like Logan's yeah the, a yeah, big the 13 year old son is he really yeah, our son he when he yeah he's he's a christmas fanatic so if he comes out of his room he'll kill us <laughs> when he comes out of his room with the robe and slippers and he starts going to the cabinet for a hot chocolate yeah you know, he's settled in for christmas yeah. he's, he's the one that never wants to take the christmas tree down That's it'll cool. be up if he would if he if he had his say well, in fact, so, yeah. so he's become good buddies with Bennett. Oh, yeah. And he, when he found out that the Wilsons had their Christmas tree up before us, that was bad news. <laughs> that was bad news for us. So we came home and immediately had to get it out. So. Okay. Does he do the whole, like, decorating of it? Yeah. Wow. Really? And, and our tree is almost like a, it's just a hodgepodge. Like, all the ornaments mean something. Yeah. Either they were given to us, so it right. doesn't match at all, and it's very i mean it's it is it's very kid driven and so he he's the kid that when he puts them out he wants to know the story behind well why do we have this one and who gave us that and so by now he knows almost all of them and Lindsay too but okay um but yeah he is our christmas kid okay we would we had our christmas tree up well before thanksgiving and well thanks before to thanksgiving thanks, it thanks was still november oh. but yeah we we were trying to hold it but then yeah when he saw somebody else it was over yeah so we we had it up 
pretty early. So, but your your question was about, I guess, movies. So National Lampoons. I'm old school, so I like I like the old Rudolph, mm. like the claymation stuff. And then it has the abominable snowman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. one guy elf that wants to be a dentist. Yeah. It's super corny, but <laughs> yeah. watch this. I it before the kids came over. I mean, I'm not that I. I was kind of reminiscing about that's what yeah. my childhood, yeah. you know, yeah. and the things that you used to always do. So I was trying to find the thing on the TV that it's not a movie, but it's like a fireplace could be mm -hmm. like, on mm -hmm. your, anyway, I couldn't find it. So I went on there and found Rudolph and I'm like, wait a second, that's the Rudolph. Never really thought that it cost money. So I just. <laughs> Rented it, and Sarah gets an email in the other room. You spent seven dollars <laughs> on the old Rudolph, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm loving it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that uh, and it blew our kids' minds because we explained, yeah, that was something that growing up we watched every year because you couldn't stream it, you couldn't rent it, you yeah, like mm -hmm. whatever came on your five channels, right? You knew when it you came watched. on, yeah, right. when you played. So we just it. watched that every year. So that was that was a lot of yeah, really yeah. Because wasn't it like Frosty came and then it was mm -hmm. Rudolph? It was like three or four yeah. movies yeah. in back a row. Yeah, like mm -hmm. you just sit there and settle in for and get yep. ready to go back yeah. in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did he decorate the outside? Does he had like? He's not really an outside. He decorated okay. his room. He has Christmas tree in his room. Awesome. So he has certain um, ornaments that he puts on those. Like he has a bacon yeah. ornament because he's a big bacon kid. Yeah. So yeah, there's, everything has a meaning. So yeah, that's he's awesome. not he's not looking forward to taking it down. So I'm not. When sure. will you take it down? I don't know. We'll probably do it when he's not home. Yeah. When he's at a, <laughs> when he's at a basketball <laughs> practice or something, we'll just, just sneak. Gone. It just pull the bandaid off. Yeah, he'll come home disappointed, but at least it won't be the the two hours or whatever it takes because worth of. He's of no help when it's time to take it down because Got he it. doesn't want it. You know, he's yeah. really slow and doesn't right. want to put a lot of effort into taking it down. But Have you thought of just leaving it up all year? <laughs> I think could, of, I think could, of what that could save you next year. You're right. I, I, I don't think I would care. It's pretty. I mean, I like looking at it. If I take all the fun away. I couldn't. Though. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any favorite childhood memories? Anything that sticks out to you growing up? Thanks. Um, it could be memories. any kind of thing, like um, vacations. Oh, yeah. Well, vacations, um, the biggest thing I remember about our family vacations, we always camped. We were a big camping family. Um, and my dad had um, a really small boat that I learned to water ski on, and we would always take that everywhere we went. And I say camp, like tents, not not glamping. Like, we I'm didn't have RV. So, but my grandpa did okay and so we would always go together yeah so we kind of benefited a little bit so you can sit in the tent until you don't like it then go to grandpa's yes go to the air and it was always air conditioned and you know they had a refrigerator i mean it was just you know always obviously more convenient so we did a lot of camping um didn't really take big vacations um probably the biggest one was when we were pretty young we went to disney but we just that was just our thing out out being outdoors and fishing and learning to ski it took a while but yeah tubing and so, so where'd you go to school in wabash northfield because the funny thing is is that like people that come over from wabash are always like 
I saw Amy Brown. I said, yeah, they don't call her by her. Who's Amy Brown? I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah, no, I saw her in this. I'm like, I don't know who Amy Brown is. And then, but a lot of people, yeah, I mean, I guess it is kind of a small town. It's, a very, it's like everybody yeah. knows you. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, not, I, yeah. Okay, everybody I talk yeah. to. So in that age, yeah. yeah. It's probably, I, I mean, I played sports and so, yeah. And I coached. Um, well, you did? Yeah. I coached at Wabash. Okay. That's where I, t I taught there for a number of years. And so. Yeah. So that's so. Yeah. Through teaching, so, coaching, yeah. playing. That's playing. Yeah. That's probably. Yeah. But yeah, Brown, that's me. Yeah. I never put it together. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> then they finally put. I know, that's Amy Diggins. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. I was at Northfield. So go yeah. Norseman. Are you still coaching there? Well. Uh, did you coach there? I coached fifth and sixth grade. Oh football for Northfield but okay. I was told that I didn't follow enough of their script of how they want their offense ran even though I said like listen you're running triple in the high school you ever think about teaching triple option to a fifth and sixth grader tell the quarterback mm -hmm. to read the end and like this these things don't work but it's okay I mean if you, you can find somebody else and <laughs> I loved it. Did it yeah. with Ethan. Love coaching kids. Love being a part of it. But they told me they were in no need of my services <laughs> next year, <laughs> which is okay. I mean, I yeah. Now we're into the whole go get a flat butt for the whole winter because all you do is watch basketball yeah. games. That's it. Ethan's That's in basketball and base in basketball, and you're like every night. Do you have one of those chairs? Well, that's the thing. Yes, somewhere, Sherry. <laughs> So like the story of our life is like Sherry would buy something and then we could never find it and then she'd just buy another one. So I think there's like five or six of them over at the house somewhere. So I just got to pick them up at some point Go when find I'm them. over there, which would make, so you don't have bleach your butt. Right. Yeah. Well, and we get that. Like we've been eyeing some people who bring some really nice chairs. We're thinking, why don't we do that? Do you, do you think <laughs> though, like this is what I'm thinking. Do I look like, I mean, I know I look like an old man, but when you come walking in with a yeah. You know, it's a big look like it's an old man. I think I would go comfort. I, I don't think know, I man. Does, like... Is it the old people though? Like, do I fit really, in now? The but I really don't care. Okay, because we had nine basketball games in a week. Oh my god, yeah, you're end, way worse. By the end of the week, I would have paid to have somebody's. Yeah, I would have given them money just to say, Can I borrow it? Yeah, we just try to go clear to the top where you can lean against yeah. the back yeah. or something. Yeah, but that don't always that don't always that's work. the next step I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> you're holding out. You're, you're just, just trying to make it. Yeah, I'm just trying to I watch all these people like the other night we're sitting there and we wait in the car because we drop the kids off early and you know they have to be there early. So I'm sitting there this old man comes pulling around and starts backing his truck in and I don't know he's an old man, but he just keeps back and smashes the car, you know, just boom, and the car goes, whoop, you know, and he pulls forward and gets out and opens up his toolbox and grabs his little seat out of there and walks right in. <laughs> the old man club, like that would be me. I'd be in the old man club. I carry a seat. And next thing you know, I'll be ramming into people's vehicle in the parking lot. <laughs> He didn't think twice about it. it. <laughs> uh, nope. I don't even think he knew. I wow. think he just yeah, that or it wasn't his first rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. He didn't even look of whether or not it was yeah, get off the subject. Sorry. Okay. Childhood memories for you. Um, so I was the oldest of four boys. So a lot of them revolve around sports or, you know, backyard 
sports or we grew up next to a dairy farm. So going down there to play with those two boys that were about the same ages, um, my brothers and I, but for sure, kind of the, the capstone of each year was a, a vacation in Northern Minnesota. Which I still think is crazy that you guys still. It's awesome. Yeah, we still do. So, so I'm 43 and we, I've only missed one year ever Mm. and we go, (laughs) not really. It was. (laughs) Now we had first got married and Amy had some classes to finish up and stuff. So we didn't go and it. I mean, it was fine. We're adults and you know, life Mm -hmm. happens, but you know, those were, you know, sacred days that Mm -hmm. growing up, you knew you were going to have you know, all the schedule set aside and it was family time and you're fishing, you're, you know, swimming, you're doing all the stuff that boys like to do. And yeah, we've invested in that. So not only does our immediate family go, but my brothers and their families and my parents still go. Yeah. And so it's just, yeah, it's really cool. Awesome. And we were out, we're outdoors people. So it just fits in every way with what we like to do. So do you have like a house up there then? We go rent- to the same cluster of cabins basically. Okay. So okay. we each, each family has our own cabin. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. it's, I would say. Is prob- it remote like cabins or like? Uh, I mean, Northern Minnesota, you hit, once you drive out of the Twin Cities a certain distance, yeah. it's, they call it the tree line. It's all trees and lakes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's remote in the sense of. Like we don't have a TV or internet or anything yeah. in our cabins. Perfect, but um, no phone signal. Spotty. Okay. Yeah. You know where to stand. Yeah, you know where. To, <laughs> you know where to find <laughs> stuff if there's an emergency <laughs> or whatever. And like, you can drive into town and find a couple restaurants. Yeah. I mean, yeah, very Mayberry yeah. town. I mean, yeah, so. there's a little bit of what you That's need: cool. gas station, a couple of nice restaurants. Or mm. when I say nice, <laughs> yeah, restaurant, restaurant, yeah, perfect. But Walmart is like. 30 minutes, 25 minutes away. I mean, and that's just recent. Yeah. They haven't that's had a Walmart for very long. So yeah, now the whole town will be ruined. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there's there's a hundred lakes in like mm. uh eight square eight to ten square miles. Isn't that crazy? Hundred lakes. It's just and when I say lakes, like no offense to like Indiana lakes <laughs> with people yeah, that live on lake. Real lake. But, but yeah, these are like Real lake. So like the lake we stay on, you can get access without taking your boat out to two other lakes Yeah, that are all connected. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So I got a couple of things that have been on my mind when I knew you guys were coming on. So you guys have been involved in some sort of leadership most of your life, right? Whether it's through teaching or coaching, because I can remember the the first time that uh, Brady was going to play baseball at the high school. So we had this conversation about the baseball coach. And it's funny because like Russ was revered and feared mm-hmm. at the same time. Cause Russ was the guy that you, first of all, you had to have a certain haircut. I don't, mm-hmm. this is what I remember mm-hmm. about it. Like you had to have a certain haircut, like nothing could be on your ears. And so, you know, this whole, we're bringing rebellious Brady, you know, <laughs> into Russ's program. So, so he's you know, the coach that you're talking about. Yeah. Don't figure yeah. Out. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, Russ was the high school baseball coach okay. at the time. And, but the other thing they said is, is from a leadership standpoint, like you're never going to find mm-hmm. a better leader than Russ. Forget the whole baseball thing, you know, whatever's going on. And so I'm worried a little bit because it's Brady, you know, like I'm not exactly <laughs> sure how it's all going to pan out. And so we go and sit in the, the first meeting 
that Russ does with all the parents and stuff. And I walked away and I said, my son is in good hands, mm -hmm. you know, clear back in the yeah. day. I was like, that is a guy that I think he can work through my son's attitude, his, because again, that was the thing about Brady. Like he has a strong will. So sometimes he came across very brash, but if you could figure that part of him mm -hmm. out, like he's a good kid, you know, they love well, they, mm -hmm. you know, you just got to, to work mm -hmm. through that. So I wonder throughout the years, what have been leadership lessons that you guys have learned and how has leadership changed throughout the years? Cause I think it's changed a lot. Like I think mm -hmm. from 10, 15 years ago to where we are today, even how we lead you know, the, the things that we do and how that approach. So either one of you want to start on maybe some just leadership lessons, things that you've learned over the years through coaching, teaching, uh, administrating, whatever that stuff is. And then maybe has anything changed or are there some things that are just going to be constant all the way through? Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, things have changed for sure. Um, and it's been a little, um, I guess, challenging for me to think about how they've changed a little bit because my journey professionally in, in a lot of the areas that I use, you know, leadership capacity has changed. So I've, you know, been a head baseball coach at the high school level. I've been an elementary principal. I've been a high school dean of students. I've been a high school principal. Um, now I'm a, an administrator at a university. And so sometimes, you know, I wonder, or I think it's natural to wonder, you know, is your approach to leadership different because of, you know, the, the demands of leadership different, mm -hmm. or are you just serving a different like population or mm -hmm. constituency, you know, kindergartners in some ways are similar to college students, but they're different. <laughs> I could probably write a book on that one. <laughs> kindergartners did what? Well, the college kids did it too. So is yeah. there a constant Russ? Like, is there, yeah, cause there is. you know, the ebb and flow of who we lead, you yeah. know, and how we lead them individually. Mm -hmm you know, can be unique yep. in that, but is there a constant in leadership that for, for all of us that are learning how to lead, is there that constant that needs to stay in our leadership or at the forefront of our leadership that's transcends age, uh, you know, gender, whatever that stuff is. Yeah. That, I mean, there, I think there are some pillars, but probably the one, you know, if you're going to hang your hat on one thing for me, um, the thing I've learned is it's all about the people that you're leading, serving, walking alongside. If you don't know the people, if you don't invest in the people and get to know them, build the relationships, you might as well forget the rest of it. Um, you know, I, I, I do a lot of reading and a lot of the books I read are kind of leadership development, you know, um, anything from military leadership to just, you know, business leadership. And one of the, the books I had read uh, fairly recently talked about you know, a shepherd type leadership and how the sheep know the call mm. of the shepherd. And so I equate that to obviously the natural, you know, uh, correlation is, you know, if a leader doesn't lead his, his flock well and doesn't get to know his people relationally, they're not going to know, you know, kind of his call or mm. what, um, you know, buttons to push, levers to pull, those types of things. So you know, it's not just getting to know people for the sake of leveraging the most you can out of them. It is truly about investing in them, helping them grow. But yeah, it all, I think it all hinges on building the relationship um, and really getting to know the people that you're working alongside and that you're leading. Yeah, that's awesome. Has that become harder? Do you think it's harder to 
relationally invest into people compared to what it used to be? I think, I mean, for me, this, this may be counter to some other people's yeah. experiences. I actually think it's been easier. Easier, yeah. I, I think, you know, I was on a college campus when COVID hit mm. and all the things that went with that. And I, I'm grateful that, you know, we're, we're a faith-based institution. And so we really, I mean, we're small and private, so we stayed open. We had the relationship of things in person, but we still had to change how we did things. Mm. But one of the things that really came from that because of the changes was I really appreciate and value relationships mm. and not just me i'm i'm saying that for others that i that i work with i think people realized how easy it is to lose that mm. in the age of technology and how you can probably literally go throughout your day and not interact with somebody face to face and still do your job fairly well right but in the long term investment in the long term uh i guess capacity to lead the mm. way that god would yeah. have us to lead um i think people just desire and crave it almost more because it's so easy to not do that yeah yeah good i mean any like anything different or thing that you would want to add like in your own journey of leadership i would i well and i haven't had the leadership capacities that russ has has had um i've never been an administrator or anything like that but but you're a coach you're yes i was a coach yeah. a teacher that sort of thing which is you know different but um, kind of going off of what he said, I feel like the most important part about a leader is how that you treat the people around you mm. and fostering a relationship and making sure that um, as a leader, you're, you're trying to know the people around you mm. so that they can use their abilities like they're supposed to. And, it, and leadership doesn't have to be the loudest person in the front right. you know your your job as a leader is to figure out the strengths of everyone around you so that can shine through right and of course to help in in your weak areas and help each other out but i feel like i've with my age because <laughs> i coached when i was very young you know i was 20 something and so the girls on my volleyball team weren't that much younger than me yeah and yeah. It's I see I felt older than them, but right. eighteen versus twenty two, twenty three right. isn't a huge gap. So, um, I felt like when I was younger, I had to lead in a different way, like authoritarian, authoritarian yeah, for sure, authoritarian type of leadership where I was the boss. And, yeah, you know, as I grow older, I look back and and wonder did they know that I cared about them? Mm. And th those types of things are important. And as I've gotten older and been able to, you know, been under leadership that wasn't that kind of style mm. or was, you know, authority-based and you kind of learn from that. And I've learned that people got to know you love them. Right. You know, they, they have to know that you care first and right. then things can fall into place because if they don't know that, then... Yeah. You're you're really not able to make a difference and you're not able to reach them and they're not able to maybe do what they're called to do either. Mm -hmm. Um so I think that's probably been the biggest thing that I've learned and it has become easier now that I have that mentality. Right. Now is it easy to love everybody and <laughs> you know, invest in everybody the same. Right. You know, sometimes you gotta work at it a little harder in, in certain situations, but like that's to me what what I wish I would have known as a younger right. coach or a younger leader mm -hmm. 
um, you know, I know that now, but I wish I would have known that then. Yeah. I think the, the interesting thing for me in leadership has been just the evolution of a leader, you know, because, you know, you don't know, like I was never taught you at like what to do. So it was always, you read about it or you watch somebody who's getting results and you're like, Oh, that's what they do. So I'm going to try it, you know, and you try that. So if it's authoritarian, because you watch somebody that was highly successful because mm -hmm. they ran a tight ship, you know, and if you run a tight ship, then you have to be successful. And then you're like, well, but this leader is successful because it's all relationships. And like the Google, like, you know, it's just like, hang out relationships, try to figure out what that looks like. And I think the evolution for me has been, it's a combination of both. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this idea that you have to be highly relational, but relational without authority tends to create an environment of chaos, mm -hmm. authoritarian without relationships, like a prison, mm -hmm. you know? And so what's the combination of both, right? Mm -hmm. And how do we know the right time to bring mm -hmm. in the right style of leadership, because I just think it's different, yep. you know, in, in situations of where and how we do it. And I think that's the thing I continue to try to learn, you mm -hmm. know, is yeah. when is the right time? What does authoritarian look like? Because it's different. Like some people can take it differently, mm -hmm. you know, back to how, you know, people, some people can be like, you could sit across from them and be like, Nope, you suck. And they're mm -hmm. like, I know, let's get better. Yeah. And right. somebody will be like, you just told me you <laughs> can't, you know what I mean? Like yep. back to yeah, what you right. were saying is how do you get to know people and how do we learn from that and then adapt it mm -hmm. to each individual person in the way that we lead? Like, yeah. I think that's a challenge, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in leadership. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, is, so in the course of, you guys have been married how long? Just over 20 years. Just celebrated 20. About 20 and a half years. Yeah, so the, in the midst of that, so obviously you guys have led people, kids, whether through coaching, you know, in both realms or being in a school system, watching all of those things happen. So in the, in the kid environment, you know, today, so having your own, being around kids, today's challenges in raising kids, is it different than it, than it was? And mm -hmm. what are some of those difference what can young parents learn, you know, some of the challenges in raising kids that they could glean from, yeah. from people who have watched it, you know, cause you're watching it happen. Yeah. You're also in the middle of it, you know, mm -hmm. trying to be able to get it done and you've watched it from a whole other level, right? Yeah. Like you're all the way from young kids to, you know, university students in the, in, in the midst of that. So any thoughts on the challenge of raising kids or the thoughts or wisdom that you could give? Yeah. I mean, both of us have been in education of some level for 20, over 21 years now. And yeah, probably the thing that is the hardest is how much kind of kids have changed over time. I mean, it's just oh, challenging. Wow. So um, kids in general. just have I think so. And, yeah. and to be fair, you know, I, I, I try to really kind of, back people off when they just really 
start to bash this generation or a generation I'm like well wait a minute like how do you think this generation got that way like like you know it's Amy and I yeah our generation hasn't been the greatest stewards of how to to raise this next generation hmm. and I don't mean that in a condescending way or to cast stones just the reality is we have as a generation broken down structures like the family structure hmm. or expectations um, or priorities that have really created challenges for our kids and the kids we teach. Um, you know, I, I think probably the, the two biggest challenges that I see, um, one is the family structure. Mm. Um, there are absolutely ways that, you know, young people can flourish if they're not in a traditional family. It's not a, it's not an indictment of people that are not in a, in a traditional family structure, but the reality is I think it takes a lot more intentionality if there's not the traditional family structure to make sure there's still the right mentors, the right peer groups, um, the right experiences wrapped around those kids because the reality is there are potentially gaps if mm. that's not there. Mm. I think the other thing is just a really quirky uh, set of priorities. Hmm. I mean, and we see that and we, as much as we tried to be strong against it, it's it's almost like a, a force that sucks you in, you know, it's like, you know, the sports parents that just go crazy and it's like, wait a minute. And I've said this. So we both coached at the high school level. You know, I've seen kids go on and play college and I had one of my players play professionally and all for almost everybody, the right ends at the end of high school. So our daughter's a sophomore, son's in eighth grade, and we unfortunately have just seen this priority structure that gets way out of whack. Mm. And we've really tried to invest in our kids and say, look, we want you to learn the life lessons from sports. Mm. We want you to invest in it and understand how to tough through. And if you're sitting the bench, hey, get better. Right. You know, those types of things. Yeah. So can uh, I ask you this? Because now this is thinking now <laughs> because um, so Sarah is like she tells her kids, I'm not a taxi. I'm like you're playing mm -hmm. one sport, like you're mm -hmm. playing one sport. And, you know, again, because Sarah's family, they're all giants, yeah. you know, so. <laughs> The idea is they want them to play basketball, like all of them. So in uh, Ethan's parent meeting, the, the coaching staff, and again, I'm not saying they're right, I'm not saying they're wrong, but they're like, if you want to play basketball, you have to play all year round. So get ready. So you guys that are here, if you want to continue to play as sixth graders going up, you need to play basketball doesn't stop after this season. You need to continue to play. And in my mind, like I get it. I know what he's saying, but how do you guys manage that? You know, how do you, cause you guys both have very athletic kids who are highly involved. I mean, they play athletics, right? They, they play sports. They play sports. <laughs> Depends on your definition of athletic. Like no, they're, they're no, you're, they're, yeah, I mean, you're again, right. yeah. they, just, for sure. We're well aware that, the ride will end when they're, I mean, and that's okay. Yeah, they no, totally right. Fine with so them. how do you balance yeah. trying to figure all of that out? Because I, again, I'm somewhere in the middle. So when she asked me my opinion, I'm like, we had to do some of it because we had eight of them. You know, so when the Clark kids came in, it just was like, you don't really have a choice. Yeah. Like we can only do unless you guys are going to taxi each other, right. you know, but we were kind of under the, not even necessarily are going to play college. 
keep you busy, be a part of, yeah, you know, be a part of a team, learn some of the aspects right. of it all. And yeah, so I'm just curious your thoughts of how do you balance family priorities and life with kids that are highly involved? Because I think that's a good wisdom. I think there are a lot of parents trying to figure it out. Well, and I think, I think COVID kind of gave us a perspective of that mm-hmm. because when everything stopped and we didn't have anything, it kind of opened our eyes a little bit to how our schedule really did dominate. Mm-hmm. It was dominated by sports. Like yeah. that's what we did. Right. Um, so it kind of gave us a moment to pause and mm-hmm. kind of think about if we are the crazy people that <laughs> yeah. we truly that, that we not didn't to be. want to be, you know? Right. Um, but, you know, our kids, Lindsay only plays basketball, um, but it's kind of the same concept. If you aren't another, if you are not in another sport, it does. I mean, like you're supposed to play. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she has a year round. I mean, July, does, yeah. she doesn't do anything in July, but there's conditioning and all of the things. Yeah. Um, and Logan plays two sports, but, um, and Lindsay and I were just talking about this right before we came in about how it's changed because, you know, Russ went to a much bigger high school than I did, but at a small school, if you were athletic, you did everything. Yeah. Like you played all the sports. And right. so I never experienced a year round activity. I mean, mm-hmm. we played volleyball in the fall, basketball in the winter, ran track or played softball in the spring and those worlds never collided. Right. And so I was year round, but not the same thing year round. Right. Um, so I think one of the things that we've really tried to as parents is help our kids understand that this is not who you are. Mm-hmm. Like this basketball that you play is an activity. It's yeah. something that you use as a ministry. Mm-hmm. Like God has given you the ability to play. You may not be the star, which is fine. Um, but that's kind of like your mission field. Wow. You know, when you go and you're with those same kids, I mean, think about how much time your kids spend with those kids. Um, it becomes like your little mission field. Yeah. And you're not traveling out of the country, but you're with the same group mm-hmm. of kids to give you the ability to get to know them, to know, do they are they a person of faith? Are they searching for something? Is there is there something that you can help with or do they need a friend do they need you know it's your opportunity um and it's so much more than being just being on the basketball team it's so much more than scoring the most points or having most steals or the assists or rebounds or whatever it's how are you connecting to those people that you're spending the most time with Hmm. um because that's how god's going to use you and so now more than ever that our kids are really having the schedule that you're talking about Hmm. is is your opportunity you know and that's kind of the avenue that we've tried to push them and not so much performance-based, sure. but how are you making an influence on those people that you're spending so much time with? Yeah. And so the so the wisdom for everybody that's listening is, is that, because I just don't think you can reverse this, like this whole, yeah. the, the, the new culture of athletics, you're not going to reverse it. Like these things aren't going away as much as people want to like, hey, you know, we're not doing it. Listen, it's going to happen. And you're either going to figure out how to participate in in an effective way, or you're just not going to participate at all. all You're going to have to figure that part out. So the wisdom would be is just helping kids navigate the purpose of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And then conceptually, if what, you know, if we can help them navigate this, it's really no different than taking them to a church activity. 
right? Like you're taking them to a ministry opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if used that way, could be as effective as showing up for youth group, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And so the, the concept of, okay, it gives us a chance. One is parents to be in the stands, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. gives us a chance to interact with other people that don't know the Lord. And it right. gives kids an opportunity to interact, build relationships with. Yeah. So I think that would be a good perspective that yeah. things that we could learn of, okay, you're not going to switch it. So how do you just put Jesus in the middle? Yeah. How do we, yeah. how do we make that a mission field yeah. and an opportunity and yeah, do the best we can? Because again, that was my big mm-hmm. thing. Once the ride was over, cause that was whether it was coaching whether it was going to games, like it was always my opportunity to, hey, I'm going to get to know somebody. I'm going to do the best I can to share mm-hmm. Christ. And then when the end of the road came, I'm like, what do you do? Like, what do you do? Like, you just mm-hmm. go home every night or, you know, yes, like, you go home every you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't have any, like the concept of how do you then reassert yourself in other areas, mm-hmm. right? To try to figure out you know, what that looks like. And, and it's been interesting having that conversation with our kids. I mean, Lindsay, she kind of gets it. I mean, I think she's just a little more attuned to that opportunity. Yeah. Um, where, you know, she's been involved in FCA, has given a devotion and mm-hmm. is not afraid to be up in front of people and, yeah. and talk to people. And she gets that very <laughs> clearly here. Um and she's just very confident in that. Speech is her favorite class. And so not that she feels that she has to be a center of attention, but she's comfortable, you know, talking to people and, and has had those experiences. Whereas Logan, I think that that was almost like a, a light bulb that went off when we started having that conversation with him about how, you know, basketball is just a sport, but you have a purpose. Yeah. You know? And he's starting to really kind of think about that. Now yeah. he's more, he's more passive. He's not going to ever be the kid that speaks up and raises his hand and sure. you know interjects or anything like that but he he's modeling yeah. and he's an example and he's taking that a lot more seriously right since we've kind of tried to you know present it in that perspective well it goes back to what you said from the beginning like if everything's about relationships yeah. and if you take relationships and you make them on purpose Right. You don't have to say anything. Yeah. I mean, the idea is if you're going to build that relationship and you're going to build it on purpose, God will give you the chance. Like the opening will come whenever it's supposed to. The chance will come. Like you don't have to be the get up and lead the prayer. Like you don't have to get up and be the leader. You don't have, you have to be the there on purpose waiting for an opportunity. And I think that that's the chance we can get. And I, you know, this, this is one illustration and you know, I talk about whether it's athletics or whatever, you know, there's a conduit to introduce people to Jesus. And so, you know, we think about our peer, the peer groups of our kids. So I coached Logan's peer group for basketball, baseball for five years, probably. And it's kind of this, I mean, some kids play only one or the other, but for the most part, I would say a cluster of about 10 to 12 kids that are all Mm. pretty common. And so when Logan got baptized here, you know, that was a way to have an easy kind of quote unquote conversation yeah. about it, even though conversations have been taking place, it got a little more serious. And I remember one of his teammates said, Hey Logan, I'm I'm thinking about getting baptized. And then he said, And I would want your dad in the tank with me. Yeah. And I was like, I don't care what else happens, like five yeah. years worth of coaching. That's if good that's stuff. it, yeah. don't care about anything yeah. else. And so, you know, sports can be a way to get distracted easily. 
but it's also a really unique way to be plugged in and find yeah. those opportunities. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that's the thing that we have to, I don't know hardly anybody, whether it's sports, whether it's farming, whether it's mechanics, you can immerse yourself in anything to keep yourself busy without purpose, mm -hmm. right? Like Absolutely. any of those things can keep us away from what God wants us to do. You can yeah. immerse yourself in work. Like you could just say, well, I'm going to have a kid that's never going to play sports, but then they're working every night. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it can be anything. So I think it's a great lesson that you guys would say or to teach, just take whatever it is and make it purposeful mm -hmm. and use the opportunities that we have, you know, and whatever those are, to get a chance. And if one can be saved, if one get a chance, or if it's somebody sitting on this podcast 20 years from now and be like, you know, part of my story is my baseball coach, mm -hmm. you know, when I was a seventh grader, you know, that's like, you just don't know those things. You don't know what's going to happen. We just need to be obedient, you know, in, in that moment. Mm -hmm. So here's the other piece that I'm like curious about. So I'm going to, I'm going to paint a picture. I don't know if it's the true picture or not, but I would say if people were following you guys or watching from a distance that, um, like where you're going in life is working pretty well, right? Like you're making good career moves, you're, you know, you're kids aren't in jail like you know what i mean like i'm just saying like you have a you're a pretty normal like things are going well in life right and we always have little hiccups you know of different little things of being parents or marriage and all of those things but in the past year i mean you guys got a big hiccup you know that really didn't have anything to do with you but it caused a hiccup in in your family and so what i want to like just dive into is is that i know for me is you're walking along in life and then those all of the sudden moments that just rock your world mm -hmm. um like what it does in the midst of you know we were talking before we came on you know when you walk in the fire you don't come out the same you know and the moments you know, in that, and we don't have to get into what those things are, but I just like to hear from you guys. What was it like in your marriage? What was it like, you know, in your family? What was it like in life in general where, I mean, it was life altering things that, yeah. you know, and how did you get through it? What did you learn from it? And what, and what can we take away that we could learn from you guys? Because regardless, we're all going to face hiccups mm -hmm. we're all going to face bumps some bigger than others but i think it's how we handle those things in our marriage and how we handle those things in our own personal life and how we move through that or how we navigate that is is important so i don't know if that was a great way to paint no. the picture no, for sure yeah yeah so we we did our our world did get rocked um and the last year was super challenging and one of my favorite sayings is everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth yep. and, and we got punched in the mouth mm -hmm. and we thought we had this plan we thought that you know we were doing you know following god's design and, and 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 at the end of the day we were but there were for sure some things that needed to be sifted mm -hmm. you know you talked about how nobody comes out of the fire the same 
you know, I, I we did talk before before we started here. I, I wouldn't have chosen this route mm. to have that happen. But I'll tell you, when we came out of the fire, the impurities were kind of, you know, mm -hmm. use this analogy, the impurities were burned off. The, the fire helped refine mm -hmm. and harden the things that should have been refined and hardened for us mm -hmm. and softened the things that should have been softened. You know, I think about, you know, the, the circumstances. So it was, a, it was really a, a professional area for me that bled into, you know, our personal lives and could have absolutely, you know, beyond just kind of staggering us could have crumbled our marriage mm -hmm. could have crumbled you know our family structure and it and it just didn't and we had this conversation very intentionally yesterday um you know this is something that actually you know steeled us in a stronger sense i mean our, mm -hmm. our marriage is stronger now than it ever has been mm -hmm. um you know our family structure and priorities i think are much healthier than they've ever been and, you know, that's not to say that we've figured everything out now, but what happened was through this challenge, through, you know, the, this trial, you know, we really leaned into God and said, okay, so what, what do you have for us through this? And we were given very specific um, prayers that we should pray. And it's been amazing to see how those, those things have happened. Um, you know, there, there'll be a whole you know, opportunity for me to share, I think, in amazing ways, a testimony with others that maybe face trials and challenges about, you know, our timing versus God's timing. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm jumping all over a little bit here, but one of the most remarkable aspects of this, you know, I am a planner, I'm OCD, I'm, I'm structured, I fill in the blank. <laughs> and I know I had heard how all of this would play out and mapped out. And I'd had this sense of, okay, this is how the plan's going to work. And when it didn't fit in that way, mm -hmm. when the pieces didn't match to what we were told and kind of what the the idea was, you know, how things would be mapped out, I remember still being frustrated in the midst of that. And it worked out so much better mm -hmm. in the end because God's hand was in it all the way along, along the, the journey. And so, you know, I guess from that standpoint, yeah, we were rocked. We wouldn't have asked for it. Still wouldn't have wanted right. to go through it. But now on the other side of it, seeing how God used us and how he was in the situation, um, it for sure strengthened our marriage, strengthened my faith, um, and gave us, I think, a platform to be models and examples to our kids, even though they don't even know all the details right. of how to lean into God when things get tough when things get challenging. Yeah, so Amy, so what was it like, because I think this is important, like for, um, and whether it's, you know, the, the shoe can be flipped either way, but what was it like and how did you walk through seeing your husband struggle? Because, I mean, I say struggle. I mean, yeah, yeah. there is a there is a real sense that I know what it's like on the other side when I was watching Cherry, like this helplessness of like, I mean, I don't even know how to describe how, and yeah, it doesn't matter. But you know, being on the other side of it, of knowing where he's at, like, so can you help, you know, some of our listeners understand what was it like for you, you know, because you're brought into it, you know, and, and you're watching your husband 
I'm going to say suffer. I, I, yeah. I don't yeah. know if that's it a accurate terminology. So yeah. how, how did that, how for you, were you a part of that journey and support and how, how did you stay strong, you know, in your own faith and working through that? Um, well, I, I have to be honest at the beginning, I don't know that I was very good. I don't, I don't know, lack of a better way, but, um, because it was so shocking and so just devastating, um, that I didn't really know what to do, mm -hmm. honestly, yeah. because I, I feel like this, this really taught me a lot about control mm. and how, I mean, I'm not like him as far as. <laughs> You're not that OC. Which is good for her. <laughs> I'm not sad about that, but, um, but you do, you, you realize just how zero, you had zero control mm. over, over things like this. And that takes a lot out of you mm. when you know that there's nothing you can say, nothing you can do. There's no words. I mean, it, it just left you helpless. Um, and so God taught me a lot about control and how I just have to give that up and, mm. and trust. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we can look back now and just see God through the whole thing. Mm. And at the time, I couldn't or I didn't want to yeah. because I was so distracted by so many other things. And I think that was really my pitfall at the beginning was I was so distracted by all the negative and all the ugly and everything that had happened. And that was where my focus lied right. when my focus needed to be on what God had and his promise and how, you know, throughout our whole marriage, like Russ has always, you know, had God's hand on him and so many things that we could go through, but there's not enough time for all that. But so I, I didn't have my focus where I needed it to be. Hmm. And once I did, that's where I found my strength yeah. to get through that and to, you know, we always promised that we, to each other, that we would never, we would try never to have hard days on the same day mm -hmm. so that one of us would always yeah. be okay, you yeah. know? Um, and for the most part, we did a really good job of that. Um, but I feel like once I, once I had my focus in the right spot, yeah. then things changed for me right. um, and not that I could I could change anything but right. my my mind was clearer and um, my faith was stronger and my words were I could find encouraging words and I and I wasn't letting all the heavy yeah really set in right um, I don't know if that makes sense it but um, but it, it took a while yeah um, it, it wasn't it was something I had to learn yeah. and I didn't have that. I mean, I feel like when it's not you, you can tell someone that they need to do this and mm. they need to be focused. And, but when you're going through it, none of that no. sinks in until you can kind of grasp it for yourself. And there were just times where I, I, I mean, I just cried and I, I just didn't know what to do. And I just felt like I was in a, um, just such a state of confusion. And right. I think that's where Satan wanted me to be right. because as long as I was confused and I was in this terrible state, I was of no help to him right. and I was no help to my family and I was no help to my kids. Right. Um, but once I figured out 
where my focus was and I kept it there. Not that it was easy. Um, not that it, it wasn't a daily fight and a daily struggle. Right. Um, but that's what we're told it's going to be, you know, one day at a time. And that's what we did. We took one day at a time. Um, and now I can look back and just see just how yeah. it all was woven together. And, you know, we just talked about this last night, just now that a huge part is over and it's behind us that we're just looking to see what, what good is going to come. Yeah, for sure. And, and how that part is still not over. Mm. Like there's going to be good. And, and we could, I could go on and on about how good things have happened. Like we've seen the worst and, and, and the ugly of, of things and people and that sort of thing. But we've also seen some really good things. Right. And, you know, that's what we hold on to. And, and those are the things that while we're going through that, while we were going through that, um, God was weaving in yeah. and we didn't expect. And right. so, you know, like one of the verses that we hung to was he's going to work things out for the good. Mm -hmm. And while that didn't make any sense when we were in, in a storm, um, it makes sense. It's starting to make sense. So sometimes it takes yeah. going through it all to be able to see it all. Right. You if, know, if I can add one thing really quickly. So, you know, we did learn that control is something you have to give over, Yeah. but it doesn't mean you don't have a choice. Right. And I think when you face that situation, when you're rocked or when you get punched in the mouth or whatever mm -hmm. term you want to use, you know, you do have a choice. Like, we, we face that crossroads of we're going to lean into God or, you know what, God, mm -hmm. if this is it, then I don't want any part of it. Right. And I remember, like, I felt like I was solid in my faith. And and I know I was because we lean into him and that mm -hmm. really sustained us. But everybody has that choice at some point. Right. I mean, you, you make it every day, but really when you're faced with that massive trial or whatever yeah. hits you, you're going to make that choice. And I'm obviously grateful that we made the choice to lean in but you know you may not control things except that choice which is i'm going to follow god and trust mm -hmm. him or the alternative which you have that choice but obviously not the one that we would recommend based on our experience right and i think based upon i mean people that know you would know that it's it's a multitude of decisions to lean in in the small times of life yeah, for sure that prepare you for the fire mm -hmm. because you don't usually get to those places in life and lean in because i think the confusing thing about leaning in because i'm assuming there unless you guys you know are way different than most of there's like really god like yeah. there's these moments Absolutely. of like because i think people would be like well you're not leaning into god no i am yeah. I'm leaning really close to his ear, right? And I'm been like, God, like, really? Like, these things really? Like, that's still leaning in. Like, he's not afraid of the conversation. He's not afraid of... He would rather know that what you've built over time, that this is the time he'd want to hear from you the most, mm -hmm. right? To to lean into that those aspects of it all, because... I think that's why I always tell people now, try to make... Try to lean in in the small times today, because... All of us at some point are going to face those things. And you're right, Russ. And I, unfortunately, I've seen too many people that 
yeah, that's those situations in life come and they're like, I'm out. Like it's easier. Yeah. Like it's I'm easier out. easier just to throw your hands up and say, I don't want anything to do with this. Right. And it's harder to fight the battle every day. Yeah. And to, yeah. Because not only is it the external battle, it's this internal battle, right? Like the idea of like, we got a battle to fight the situation that's going on, but then you got this internal battle of being like, why? Like, why is this happening? What have we done wrong? And where did this come from? And how could this be happening? And because you can just erase all of that and walk away from all of that and not try to say, okay, because I know these were some of my hard conversations for myself. Like, God, I get it. Like, what are you trying to teach me? Like, what? <laughs> well, I know I'm not changing these things. So what do I need to learn? Where is it that, and this is hard to, like let happen but where are those impurities like what are the things that i didn't see yeah because that's easy to do what are those things that i guess you need to burn them off i'm like uh, well and we had everything that you just said were those were conversations that we we had over and over and over again and it was we just wanted so badly to know yeah the answers to all of those right. and it was no not yet not yeah. yet and it was a patience and a, you know, a trust and all of these things that honestly we weren't good at. Mm -hmm. We just, I mean, we weren't good at giving over control. We weren't good at being patient. We, it was, it was a lot, there were a lot of lessons, yeah. a lot of lessons. And, um, I can say that I'm certainly not the same person that I was Yeah. when all this started. Um, and I'm thankful for that. And, and, for a lot of a lot of reasons um but i've i've also i'm starting to understand how and why you know god puts us through tests like this yeah. it's because of the choice you have right you know um are you gonna let him do what he needs to do to make you what you need to be right. and I wasn't who I needed to be and I'm working on it. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's, I don't think you ever arrived. Nope. Um, but it was, it was a, a lot of lessons that I, I needed to learn and it's continuing. I know one of the things that God always like would remind me of is there's times to be molded, you know, and I mm -hmm. think of that, like, you know, so you're soft clay and he's just kind of, and there's time to get the chisel out mm -hmm. yeah. and those chiseling times hurt, you know? I mean, it's just like, really? I, I didn't notice. And then it's like, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, but I think those fire times in your life, some of the molding hurts. Mm -hmm. You know, you realize some things about ourselves that you were like, hmm, didn't know it, mm -hmm. you know, thank you. But it does, it's way different than, let me just mold you a little bit through this situation and this little challenge and, I mean, and I think that's the thing that will be, I mean, I know from this journey, you know, in praying for you guys and because that's the first thing I said, I'm like, really them? Like, why, why? Like out of all of the things that could happen, like why at this stage, what's going on, all the sacrifices that you make, and then this happens. But then as I prayed with you guys, you know, through this situation that, it was obvious that when you come out at the other end, not only will you be different, not only will you have a testimony, but I think God has a plan. 
you know, for the future that he needed you ready for. And yes, that's one thing that we, we finally got to that. Yeah. <laughs> it took us a while to get to that. Oh. Um, a long time to right. get to that, or at least it did for me mm -hmm. to know yeah. that in all of this there, like you said, we wouldn't have wanted to cho we wouldn't have chosen this method right? Um, or this journey specifically, but we weren't the people that God needed us to be then to do what he has in store for us right. whenever. Right. Um, and that's, once I got that, once that clicked, not that that made things easier, right. but it gave me a drive and mm -hmm. it gave me a, it helped me understand more purposely Right. My my position and my um in the whole thing just I mean just helped me understand the purpose of of what I was supposed to do and um not that that's clear either right <laughs> right, right now like but um it that that got me through but you know along the way like I feel like there were times where God knew that the break the absolutely breaking point. We, I felt like I got to that a lot, um, mm -hmm. or several times yeah. and before it would happen. He would give me what my heart needed or what mm -hmm. my, my mind needed or what, you know, right. my anxious thoughts needed to get me through. Right. And, and I started looking for those things, you know, when I started rec recognizing, I don't know how much more I can take of this. Right. I just don't know. And then he'd give me a little bit more and it was always enough to get me through. Um, so there are just all kinds of stories that yeah. we could share. That. Yeah. And I think the, the one thing that's important, and you said this, is, is that it's not like you did anything wrong. It's like a lot of times people think, well, God needs to work on me because I'm bad. Yeah. No, God needs to work on us because we need to be the best version that God wants us to be. It's not that we're mm -hmm. bad. It's not that he's mad. It's not that he's upset. It's just... There's a new version of us that he needs, yeah. and it's that that work that it's okay. Like it's okay. We didn't do anything wrong, mm -hmm. you know. We didn't. We didn't. We're not getting punished when you're getting molded right. or the chisel comes out. It's like this is. There's a version of you I need, mm -hmm. and so this gives me an opportunity to work. You know, it gives me an opportunity to move forward. So we're ending up. You believe it's been an hour already? <laughs> so if yes, one, one, one of the things that uh, maybe we can end with, is there anything that for married couples out there, anything that either through this time or through your time being married, that you would give advice to married couples to continue to have a strong marriage, healthy marriage, and to thrive in your love for one another. Anything specific that you guys do that you would recommend other couples of like, hey, if you want to have a good marriage, if you want to be able to make it through tough times, like here's something that should be foundational for you. I would probably say through all of this, well, even before, like once we started having kids and we'd go back to schedules yeah. and all of that, um, We've been very intentional about carving out time just to be together where, you know, our kids aren't yelling in the background or needing something or taxied someplace, you know, just just time where we can sit down and not catch up on schedule, you know, just just time to 
talk to each other, talk about what's going on um, in our in our thoughts or hopes and dreams and I mean, wildest dreams and someday want to accomplish or bucket list or just just those things that keep you connected um, because distractions are on purpose. Like yeah. when we get distracted, it's on purpose that yeah. the enemy has to a plan. I mean, he hates seeing strong families. He hates seeing couples that are still connected and he uses distractions to prevent that from happening. Yeah. And um, sometimes you don't see it and you don't recognize that that's what's happening, but those distractions create wedges and distance. And then, you know, that causes issues or problems down the road. And so that's one thing that we've really started in the past several years um, trying to do. And sometimes it's in between our kids' practices or the, there were several times where we would bring the kids to youth group and sit and have just a, yeah. a drink here for an hour at the cafe. I mean, right. anything that allowed us to just stay connected in conversation is something that we've we yeah. felt has has really helped us. Yeah. And I, I would just add, you know, besides just just the time, which is super important, we try to be more intentional about finding common experiences. So like we we've both served here at the church for a long time, mm -hmm. but we've started serving more together mm -hmm. um, the last year. So hmm. little stuff we serve donuts mm -hmm. together. We teach up in two fifty two life kids together. Yeah. Um, you know those types of things are important. So it just gives us a way to invest together yeah. um, and kind of envision how we can you know support ministries as a couple instead of you know, us doing our own ministries, which are important, but we do it together now. Um, I think being honest with each other has been important. You know, like she said, we can't have the, a bad day than the same day. Yeah. So we had to be honest and upfront. And I would say too, this was hard for me on the front end um, and still challenging, I think for anybody, but being more in tune with the needs of your spouse or your mm -hmm. partner than, than yourself. You know, I would find myself sometimes with the pity party and feeling like, oh, why is this for me, for me, for me? Right. And then didn't recognize early on that the impact was, you know, she was having and even a little bit the kids. And so once I flipped that script a little bit and started to focus on how can I care for my wife mm -hmm. better, um, that was transformational for me in the process. So as a mm -hmm. couple, whether you're facing a trial or not, I think being in tune with what your wife needs or your husband needs is really important for a healthy marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Jennifer, you want to send us out? So if you're not a part of our podcast group, you can text the word podcast to 260-408-8383 and we'll pose questions to you, um, get your thoughts. If you want to be on the podcast or if you have somebody that you know you should be on our podcast, let us know. Yeah, and don't forget. So this will go out on what is tomorrow, today? hopefully today. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. this week's all messed up. So this will go out. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow on Thursday. If you see it uh, on our social media, like, share, comment. We'd love to uh, be able to get that out there to other people. If you're listening and you don't know Russ and Amy, go <laughs> onto our YouTube, watch it. At least if you don't want to watch it all the way through. That way you know who they are, so you can come up and say hi uh, on a Sunday morning. You guys are back and forth first and second service right kind of depends on when we serve yeah yeah right so you might see them in either one of them but again come up encourage them um again i'll just say 
a huge thank you because not only have you guys been here a long time, um, Russ has been a part of our elder team for, again, and I can't keep track of how long that that's, that's been, but it's been a long time. You guys stuck through, like I say to everybody that's been here, it's easy now to look at it and be like, oh, wow, like, <laughs> you know, it's so much different today than it was 10 years ago. And, and I'm personally thankful that you stuck it out. Like you were great leaders who chose to say, you know what, this is a place where I can be on mission and God can use me. And you guys have made significant differences in the lives of people, my own kids. And, you know, we're just thankful for that. So if you see him, make sure that you come up and say hi. And we thank everybody for joining us and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.